Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Benedettiville Small Town Adventures. Thanks for joining us. My name is Gio Benedetti. I'm here with Mr. Rocco Blastorius. Oh, good to be with you, Gio. Hey, everybody at Benedettiville. Stoked to be doing the intro. Usually, Joan gets to do it. I'm moving up. We've got some amazing stuff for our show this week. Rocco and I went on tour with the Brothers Comatose. We'll talk about that. We've got some more gardening hijinks, and uh, there's something that I think we forgot a couple weeks ago that we got to get back to. A story? I don't know. We'll see about that. But anyway, there's plenty to talk about. There's plenty to listen to. Let's get on with the show. We've got some gardening news, which we'll get to first. But first, a word from our sponsors. It's the big spring blow-up sale at Hortensia's unconventional garden supply store. From now until May Day, come down and get up to 50% off select unconventional garden supplies. All our candy plants, bushes, trees, and seeds are 40% off. Gumball trees, gummy bear bushes, 40% off. We'll even throw in a package of jelly bean seeds with any purchase over $20. Our sale is blowing up, folks. It's unprecedented. All animal garden supplies are 50% off. Turkey vines, hedgehog roots, even our bestseller kitty flower bushes are 50% off. This sale is blowing up. Kitchen utensil orchards are, for this limited time, 35% off. You've always wanted to plant that row of spatula trees, colander flowers, whiskweed, or spoon groves, and now you can and get 35% off. And this sale won't last forever. In fact, it's blowing up on May Day. So come in now while you can, and it's safe. The weather is right, the season is right, and the price is right. Hortensia's unconventional garden supply store. Because you can't find it anywhere else. For the week of April 22nd, here's the gardening news. Our top story today is that gardening is amazing. I'd like to share a few gardening memories from my childhood. My grandma and grandfather had a beautiful, beautiful garden, both sides of my family, my dad's side and my mom's side, both incredible gardeners. Going over to grandma and grandpa's house and getting to go into the garden, getting to see all the food growing, getting to pick oranges and lemons, getting to dig for potatoes, getting to cut lettuce for dinner. Those are some of my favorite memories. Getting to romp around gardens at a very young age was very exciting for me. I also remember one 
wonderful summer where we had a pile of dirt in our yard at home, and my mom and dad let each of us plant seeds to grow something in the pile of dirt, and I planted radishes, and they grew, and I picked them and ate them, and I felt like the best gardening kid in the world. It was wonderful. And the most important part, everything that grows in a garden tastes incredible. If you think you like apples, but you haven't had an apple off of your own apple tree, think about how much more you're going to like apples. They're much better off of your own tree. If you like tomatoes, you should plant a little cherry tomato plant in your backyard or your front yard. They're like candy. It's like having little candy balls grow on a vine. It's amazing. So this isn't so much news as it is a public service announcement. Gardens are wonderful, the food from gardens is incredible, and the experience of gardening is a wonderful experience. In sports... It was a beautiful opening day at the Benedetti Snail Racetrack. Five snails were chosen from the garden to go up against each other in the first race of the season. Things got very exciting when Shelley, a large and gregarious European brown snail, was tracked at a whopping 1.3 centimeters per second, which is the fastest speed on record for a terrestrial gastropod mollusk. It looks like Shelley is setting the bar high early in the season. It's going to be a year for snail racing record books, folks. In harvest news, construction of a community free produce stand is underway on Alta Drive, with completion projected to be the middle of May. The produce stand will serve to hold the neighborhood's abundant harvest this summer, providing a way for folks to share their garden's delights with one another and cultivate community while eliminating zucchini, tomato, plum, and kale waste on all to drive. And in other news, an aphid gathering was reported on the chard last week. The ladybug patrol was alerted when neighboring skinks called in noise complaints, claiming that the late-night drum circles and all-night feeding frenzies were keeping away their prey. And that's all the news from the garden, folks. Now, on to the next thing. If you could be any vegetable, what vegetable would you be? I would want to be a cucumber because I like to eat them. I will be a lettuce ball, then people can use me as a bowling ball. I would be a lettuce because I like to eat them. I will be a lettuce because I love lettuce. I would be a lettuce. Lettuce has some fun. Because I really like lettuce. I would be a vegetable that is a beet and it grows in the ground. Give me a beet, y'all. A potato. A potato, a potato. Um, I can be a pea. Inside it has like little peas and it's very yummy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Rocco Blastorius here, and uh, I'm on tour with Gio, because he plays in a band called the Brothers Comatose, and uh, going on tour is crazy. Have you guys ever been on tour? Do you even know what that means? So I'm here to tell you about what being in a band on tour is kind of like. I'm going to interview some of the guys in the band, and uh, because we all know Gio, maybe I'll start with Gio. Uh, Jill, you here? Uh, yeah, Rocco, right here. Just in the, uh, we're in the motel room. 
uh, morning, afternoon after a show, uh, before we have to go to the next show. So, yeah, you, you caught me at a good time. Uh, all right, bro. So, like, what do you do in the band? Like, what, what do you play? What's up with you in this band, man? I play the upright bass. I sing some harmonies, write some songs, and, you know, we just make the music, figure out some arrangements together, drive the van, try and find good coffee. Very important stuff. Okay, so I, Rocco Blast Stories, am the greatest bass player in the Puppet Lands, bro. But that thing that you are playing is not a bass like I've ever seen before. What is that? Why is it so big? Oh, yeah, man. It's it's really big. It's hard to move around. It's an upright bass, and it's based, It's the same thing as a violin. It has the same shape, the same structure. It's built like a violin, but to get it low enough to sound like a bass, really, really low notes, they have to make it huge. And so that's what it is. It's a gigantic, overgrown violin so that it can get nice and nice and low. So when I say that I'm on tour with the Brothers Comatose, what does that mean? Tell people what that means, because I could tell them, but uh, you're in the band, bro, so, like, tell them. Well, uh, when we go on tour, we go on tour to play shows, because as a band, you can make some money by playing shows for people. Also, it's probably the best time of your life playing music for people. So, when we go on tour, we just go to different cities, and we do that for different people in different places over and over and over again. Usually every night. Maybe a couple nights off. And we get everywhere in a big white van. Yeah. yeah. The van plays very heavily into tour life. Lots of time in there. Yeah, I'm catching up on a lot of my reading, you know? Uh, you're reading in the van, Rocco. Do you get carsick? You gotta watch out for being carsick, man. No, no, I don't get carsick. I don't think puppets get carsick. Something you, uh, you human folk ought to deal with, I guess. Yeah, well, let's check in with some of the other dudes in the band, and uh, in the meantime, let's get on with the next thing. If you could be any kind of vegetable, what kind of vegetable would you be? Avocado. Because like? avocados are wonderful, they go with everything, you can have it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I would be an artichoke. I would be an artichoke because I love to spread my wings and feel the rain yeah. in the springtime. And I have beautiful flowers yeah. that are really um, attractive to the pollinators in yeah. the summertime. So yeah, an artichoke. Let's see. I'd probably be a turnip. <laughs> because? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why. It just feels right. It's a... Uh, you know, I'd like getting in the dirt and turnips growing the dirt. And, yeah. and they are... Uh, tough. They're tough. Party, they're survivors, <laughs> man. Yeah, so I don't know. That's a... I've never been asked that, so... Yeah. That's what we excel in that over here at Benedictville. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Rocco Blast Stories here with you. Uh, where did the drums go? Oh yeah, right on. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't, didn't know where my drummer went. Oh yeah. Uh, I hope that when you woke up today, you had a full box of funk berries for breakfast. <laughs> I don't know how else you're going to make it through this one. Yeah. I hear that. That's called the Funk Petaluma. Are you ready for it? Whoa. Oh, wait. Whoa, wait. Let's get that drummer something to do. Come on. Take that break, buddy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's so funky, man. That's just so funky. But can it get funkier? I don't know. Oh, baby, it can. All right. 
can't imagine a better way to spend your time, ladies and gentlemen, than getting some serious grooves on. It's been my pleasure to bring this to you via the four-string funk machine, a.k.a. the electric bass. All right, hey, we'll see you next time, Petaluma. Rocco Blastorius out! Okay, ladies and gentlemen, now you may have forgotten that two weeks ago we abandoned a sweet, well-intentioned gardener at her window as giant snails slimed their way through her neighborhood. That was our story two weeks ago. It was all about getting this magic spray that was going to grow some raspberries, but it got on the snails. The snails grew, and then the next day, giant snails in the neighborhood. And there she was looking out her window, seeing the giant snails for the first time, and we stopped the story and said, to be continued. And then last week, we did not continue the story. Well, we cannot have that. We can't go abandoning innocent, well, I mean, not entirely innocent. I mean, she did spray the mysterious growing spray from the mystical garden hut on a very windy day. And the mysterious growing spray did get all over the snails in the corner of the yard. So, I mean, she did do that. But we can't go abandoning almost innocent, rather pleasant characters in our stories for weeks at a time while giant snails are slamming up neighborhoods now, can we? Well, we can't. In fact, rather seriously, it is against the law. Story Writers Code Section 19, paragraphs 4 through 5, clearly state, and I'll read it from here because we naturally have all the 45 volumes of the Story Writers Code here at Benedettiville headquarters. So here it is. Section 19, paragraphs 4 through 5 of the Story Writers Code. <clears throat> Should an invented story be left intentionally incomplete with the intention to be completed later, for example, an ending such as to be continued or tune in next time or to be concluded or find out in the next issue, etc., etc., the writer is hereby obligated under law and in due adherence to the proclamation for the fair and ethical treatment of story characters to complete said story within a reasonable and predetermined time frame. Failure to complete a story, particularly one in which a character has been left in an anxious, precarious, or otherwise dangerous situation, will result in action by the character protectorate and or the story police. The punishments can be but are not limited to immediate conclusion of the story, fines, imprisonment, or in extreme situations, the suspension of the writer's artistic license? Oh, wow. I had no idea. You know, I've never actually read that all the way through before. That is... Pretty serious stuff. And according to Benedettiville's story writing contract and our radio show schedule, we're supposed to continue all to be continued stories within one week. And here it is, two weeks. We're officially late. Officially one week late. Breaking the law one week late with our to be continued story. <clears throat> okay, well then let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. We'll finish this story up. Gio Benedetti, you in there? It's us, the story police. Open up in the name of good, just, and fair storytelling. Yeah, they're here. Um, I'm, I'm coming. Sorry, Mr. Benedetti. You've had a week. That neighborhood has been dealing with a giant slug infestation for two weeks, waiting for you to finish that story. That poor gardener woman has been upstairs in her room looking at those snails for two weeks. That's no way to treat a story, sir. No way to treat a character. You know, I was I was just about to finish that story. So you can come on in and listen, and it'll be a really good story. I'm afraid it's gone a bit too far for that. Uh, you, you're absolutely right. You're right, and I'm sorry, and I will finish it right now. No problem. Oh, I sure. You'll finish that story soon enough. 
But we'll need you to come down to the court with us and hear what the story judge decides. It's up to her now. Okay, well, folks on the radio, I looks like I'll be telling the conclusion to our giant snail story a little bit later on than expected. I'll be heading off with these very fine folks with the story police and um, headed down to story court. And I guess for now, it's on to the next thing. So, on to the next thing. Yep. Move along, radio show. Radio listeners, move along. Nothing else to see here. Come on, buddy. You're coming with us. Okay, okay. I'm coming. I'm coming. Eesh. Relax. All right. Uh, Rocco here. Ongoing coverage of Brothers Comatose Tour. And if you're questioning what touring is, how to tour, all that stuff, who better to ask than the almighty tour manager. Uh, I'm here with Mr. Joe Pacini. Joe, how are you? Well, how are you doing today? Dude, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we're a couple days into tour here, and um, can you please tell me what it is that the tour manager does for the band while these guys are like driving around and trying to do these shows? Yeah, well, basically the most important thing is I want to make sure that the boys get where they need to be on time well, and that they have enough food in their belly so they're in a good mood to play music. <laughs> right. Like, these guys get cranky, man. Oh, it's totally hangry. It's almost like they're little children that need to be fed. Uh, how long uh, is this tour going to be? This one's about six days long, so not too bad. Sometimes it goes for weeks at a time, but this time it's only about six days. So, what is your favorite and least favorite part about touring? Well, my favorite part is going all these new adventures and seeing places I've never seen before. My least favorite thing, probably the lack of sleep. Oh, dude, right? Because you guys go late and then you have to get up early. Like, so, what are your... Dude, so how do you manage that? How do you deal with the lack of sleep? Man, I try to sleep as much as possible, and when I need to, I'll drink coffee. Coffee. Coffee's a reoccurring theme in all of these interviews, I gotta tell you, man. Also, uh, the van. Like, naps in the van? Yeah, I don't know. I get so excited about seeing all the scenery, it's really hard for me to nap in the van. I, I like you. looking at new stuff. Dude, me too. Yeah, like, going on, on this drive is a beautiful drive. We've been going up the Pacific Northwest. The trees, the mountains, it's, it's phenomenal up here. Yeah, and the water, and the lakes, and the rivers, and the ocean. It's really cool to see all the different scenery. Joe, word on the street is that you're an outdoorsman and a fisherman. Is this true? Yes. Yeah, so like while you're out here and you're driving by these mountains and these rivers, how brutal is that? You're just driving right by them. Super brutal. I'd love to go out and spend a day by a lake or a river sometimes, but you know, we're working, and so a lot of the times you have to give up some stuff. Dude, I got to tell you, some of these guys do not give the impression that they're working. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> well, dude, you're doing a good job, man, because uh, apparently they're getting where they need to go. Everybody's getting fed. Yeah, uh, I hope you get to do one of your missions and, like, get to see some trees and hang out at a river one of these days, no, bro. absolutely. That's something that's very important for us. When we do have the time to go out and explore, we definitely try to do it as much as possible. Awesome. Dude, Joe, thanks a lot for talking to me, bro. Yeah, really definitely. appreciate it. No right. problem, bud. Thank hey, you. Yeah, I'll see you in the van, all right? Absolutely. See ya. If you could have a garden that could literally grow anything real or imagined, what would your fantasy ideal garden be? I would grow peonies year-round by the hundreds. Yeah, because I have so much trouble growing them by the ones. <laughs> Onions. All kinds of onions. Because I can't grow them. They are my arch nemesis in the garden. 
I can't grow them to save my life. I can grow pretty much everything else, and I have grown almost everything. Um, but I can't grow onions. White or red? Any kind. All of them. The, the cipollini, that nice yes. flat, the, the big flat huge guys. ones, Nothing. the yellows, the whites, the reds, the bunch. Of, well, bunching onions I'm okay with, and okay. I can do Egyptian walking onions. But a regular bulbing onion? Nope. Can't do it. So it would be a garden of onions. All right. Uh... Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Rocco Blastorius here on tour with the Brothers Comets House, and I'm sitting here with Mr. Ben Morrison. What's up, Ben? Hey, Rocco. How you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing great. All right. Uh, how's tour going for you? Uh, so far, so good. You know, coffee makes it a lot better. Yeah, I notice a lot of coffee. You guys are all big coffee drinkers, huh? Uh, yes, huge, huge coffee drinkers. Is that like a... Addicts, you might, you might say. Yeah. Hey, watch out for that, bro. <laughs> hey, uh, would you say uh, that coffee... Uh, well, like, survival of tour, man. Like, how do you get through it? Uh, good food. Yeah. Uh, sandwiches from uh, some of our favorite places. Breakfast sandwiches in Bend, Oregon. and um, uh, Yeah, Paseo sandwiches in Seattle. Cool. And... and uh, the tasty, sweet blackness of this coffee yeah. in my hand right now. Yeah, you guys are like getting me on coffee. Stuff's really good. It is, yeah. Yeah, Gio I, drinks it all the time, man. Wait, how old are you? Dude, don't ask crazy questions like that. <laughs> you cannot fathom how puppets live and, and breathe and everything, man. Our right. biology is mysterious, even to us puppets. Well, uh, all right. I think you're you're ready for for coffee then. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine, dude. I'm a bass player too. You know, like I've been in bands, so like you know, I've been around, man. What do you do in the band? I sing and I play guitar. Yeah? Yeah, and I say dumb things in the microphone sometimes. Yeah, dude, you guys all do that. <laughs> Yo, everybody, you guys got to go to these shows. It's incredible what these guys do. It's like, sometimes it's songs, and then like they start like, I don't know, just making stuff up. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last night we sang a song, actually, that we hadn't sung in a long time. <laughs> I think people appreciate that because, like, yeah, it's not, uh, it's clearly unrehearsed, but in a good way, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's important to have fun. It makes it fun for the band and for the audience as well. So, like, for being on tour, uh, what is your favorite and least favorite things about being on tour? Uh, let's see here. Not getting to hang out with my girlfriend or sleep in my own bed is uh, a major downside. Right. Yeah. But um, singing to people and making people happy at shows is definitely the best part of it. I gotta say, man, people do seem really happy at the shows. Like, giant smiles on faces, people dancing, hooping, and hollering. It's pretty rad. I can see why you would want to be traveling around to, to those people. They seem like good people. It's uh, it's one of the best jobs in the world. Alright, hey, thanks, Ben. I'm gonna find another dude from this band and, like, we'll get to the bottom of this touring stuff. Great talking, Rocco. Yeah, thanks, dude. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Story Court is now on session. Our Honorable Judge Hornswick is presiding. Thank you, Bailiff. Now, it seems we have a Mr. Gio Benedetti here, authorized story writer, storyteller, and story reader with artistic license number 74529G. Is that right? Uh, um, yes. Yes, that's correct, Your Honorableness. And I see some. Two weeks ago, you began a certain story about a gardener. Is this true? Yes, correct. Your most honorable judgeship. Thinking yourself rather clever, I presume, you left our poor gardener in some sort of cliffhanger ending with giant snails charging all about her neighborhood. Is this also true? 
Um, sadly, yes, your most lawfulness. And then through some terrible artistic and authorial oversight, I'm sure, you've left our poor gardener woman at her window for two weeks. Two weeks of gazing out her window at a giant monstrous snail. Not a pleasant fate, Mr. Benedetti. Not a very responsible way to treat the characters you've gone now, created now, is it? No, I, I suppose that it's not your wisdomness, but I was just about to... Uh, 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 Mr. Benedetti, you soon will set things right. In fact, the first phase of your punishment for breaking the story writer code, section 19, will be to finish the story of the gardener and the snails quickly and soon. Absolutely, your masterfulness, certainly. And what's the second phase of the punishment? For the gross negligence of leaving your to-be-continued story uncontinued for longer than the promised period according to your artistic license, you, I hereby sentence you to an exciting and adventure-filled story where you shall be left, Mr. Benedetti, to be continued. Let us now see how you like it. Wait, what? How? How's that even possible? But first... <clears throat> Yes, let's finally take care of our rather large snail problem. Yes, Mr. Benedetti, you have the next several minutes to continue your long-forgotten story of the giant snails and resolve the situation of our poor gardener. You may begin now. Now? Let us not waste any more time, please. Your characters are waiting rather impatiently, as am I. Okay, yes, absolutely your wonderfulness. <clears throat> so... Um, there the gardener was at her window, and the snails were huge and all over her neighborhood, right? And they were quite hungry and had taken to eating the trees and the lawns and the bushes and the shrubs and the gardens, and anything slightly green and leafy was being gobbled up by the huge creatures. Slime was everywhere. Some of the neighborhood children were sliding through the thick, slippery slime on the sidewalk in front of their homes as though they were on skates, and it looked rather fun. But, um, but the gardener, our dear, sweet gardener, she knew she had to do something, so she rushed downstairs. She opened the front door. A giant snail was eating up her favorite walnut tree. She looked at her raspberry patch. The raspberry patch was huge, branches as thick as her arms with green berries quickly ripening that were as big as tennis balls. The spray had worked. The mysterious magical spray that she had been given had worked. It had made the raspberry plant grow incredibly quickly and incredibly big. But it had clearly gotten into the shadowy overgrown weedy corner of her garden where she had been putting all of the snails and now the snails were huge she raced to her garbage can the spray bottle of mysterious liquid that she had received yesterday was still there and at the very bottom of that bottle were a few drops a few precious as yet unused drops the gardener thought fast she thought like a gardener she grabbed the spray bottle and grabbed her bicycle. She raced to the park. It was only two blocks away, and there was a pond at the park. She ran to the pond. She found a beautiful duck, a very beautiful and hungry-looking duck. She very, very carefully aimed the spray bottle, and the last drops of the mysterious growth spray hit the duck full in the feathers. She didn't have to wait long to see results. The duck quacked, and then before her very eyes it grew. It got bigger, wider, fatter, taller and taller, wider and wider, bigger and bigger. The duck was now as tall as a very tall tree. It was enormous. It looked very hungry. She whistled in a way that she thought a duck would like. 
The duck cocked its head. She got on her bike and raced back to her neighborhood, whistling her special duck whistle all the while, and the duck waddled after her. Its quacks were very loud. People were coming out of their houses and staring at the strange parade of a whistling woman riding a bike in her pajamas, followed by an enormous duck. She turned a corner and saw her neighborhood. It was a mess. Slime-covered houses and yards and roads, and the trees all around had been devoured. The snails were sliming along happily. She made it back to her house and hoped her plan would work. She watched the duck. It waddled up to a snail, the giant snail. The giant duck waddled up to the giant snail and snapped up the snail in its giant beak. Gulp, quack, gulp, down it went, shell and all into the enormous duck. The gardener leaped and hooted with joy. The plan was working. She watched happily as the monster duck waddled its way through the neighborhood, pecking up snail after snail, happily gulping them down, quacking all the while. The fire department, the police department, the news, everyone from the neighborhood was lining the streets watching as this giant duck quacked and ate its way through the neighborhood. In very little time, every single giant snail was gobbled up. The town was overjoyed. The gardener was overjoyed. The snails were gone, and her raspberries were still there, huge and growing larger by the minute. The duck also was overjoyed. It was full of delicious giant snails. The gardener and the duck lived together for the rest of their days, gardening and eating snails, each to their own, respectively, and occasionally cooking up giant duck egg scrambles for the entire neighborhood. The town was saved, and the gardener and the duck lived happily ever after. The end. Ah, a very fine story, Mr. Benedetti. And a most satisfying conclusion. Thank you, your courtliness. A real pity you hadn't done that a week ago. Ah, yes. Yes, a pity indeed, I know. Now that your characters have all been dealt with, and they've been released from their to-be-continued time freeze, we can move on to phase two of your consequence. Uh, yeah, okay, phase two. Bailiff, if you could please lead Mr. Benedetti into the storylands. He is due to be written into a cliffhanger, a to-be-continued story, in just a few minutes. Yes, Your Honor. In the meantime, we'll move on to the next thing. Story Court adjourned. I was working in the garden, planting up some seeds, when I heard a little something, sounded like a breeze. I turned my ear and looked down, and boy, was I surprised. I saw a little fairy right there before my eyes. He had a floppy hat and some green butterfly wings. And he wore these fancy pants and lots of jewels and rings. He waved to me, I waved back, but he was too quiet to hear. So he flew up to my shoulder and he whispered in my ear and he said, would you please build me a house? Could you build me a new home? You see, your house was built on top of where my little house used to be. And I could use a place to call my very own. Well, I said, gosh, I'm very awful sorry that my house tore your house down. Let's get right to work now. Let's build you a whole town I got tools from the shed And I grabbed some moss and dirt 
I put on my working boots and my best all working shirt. We dug around all day, we dug around all night. And when the morning came, oh, what a lovely sight. We had little rocky lanes and some little flower beds and about a hundred little places to rest some fairy heads. And he said, thanks for building me a house. little flowers, make a little path, and make sure that you water it, because it's got to last. And you may not see the fairies, they tend to be quite shy, but trust me, they'll be living there, to stay all warm and dry, and they'll say, thanks for building me a house, thanks for building me a home. What's up, Rocco? We're uh, backstage at the Wild Buffalo in Bellingham, Washington right now. Is that true? Ah, uh, that's actually a fact. Yeah. Very true. Pretty cool down here. It smells a little moldy, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... It's interesting. Yeah, this is an interesting uh, flavor. <laughs> <laughs> well put, sir. Uh, how's, uh, how are you holding up on tour, bro? Um, well, I've adopted the cold shower technique, uh, which is really uh, putting a little extra oomph in my step. No, I yeah. have no idea what that is. Please explain to the listeners what the cold shower technique's all about. So you wake up in the morning, oh. and uh, you force yourself to go to the shower and put it on the coldest possible, and you stand there for three minutes. No. No way. Yes way. You are not doing that. Seriously? Yes. <laughs> yes. Is this like a thing that you do on tour all the time? It's just something I've adopted recently, wow. and uh, it's guaranteed to make you jump higher on stage. Holy cow! Uh, Dude, you're like Houdini, or like <laughs> some kind of like crazy. I don't even know. Some people would say that. Wow, kind of mystical, bro. <laughs> oh. Indeed. Uh, you know, I've. Uh, will you please tell the audience what you do for the band? Hmm. Well, I play banjo. Well, yeah. For one. And nice. I sing. Nice. And I make artwork. Oh, that's great. And then, uh, what would you say are your favorite and least favorite parts of touring? <laughs> hmm. Um, well, the best part is probably the travel aspect and trying all different kinds of food. Yeah, yeah. And, food, uh, food and coffee I've found are yeah. critical to you guys. <laughs> yeah. And i got to be honest, it's fun just to 
party too, so yeah. that's fun. But that's also the worst part. Oh. Because then you, if you party too much, you don't get enough sleep time. I see. I see what you mean. That can kind of be a bummer. Oh, I hear you, bro. Uh, but, yeah. But that's why you take those crazy showers, dude. And <laughs> you're fine, right? Yeah. Magical. I can keep the party going. I swear, man. It sounds crazy. Yeah. Wow, you're amazing. You should really try it. I'm not gonna, but I'm gonna take your word for it. <laughs> I think you'd like. Yeah. yeah, my uh, my showers are uh, warm and tumble dry only, please. <laughs> you know, yeah. tumble dry. Okay, I gotta uh, I gotta try that myself. Actually, <laughs> do it, bro. Hey, cool. thanks for talking to me, Alex. Anytime. All right. Hey, have a good show tonight. We will. All right. Thanks, bud. <laughs> Hi, I'm Captain Stain Remover of the Ash Legion, Sonoma County Chapter. I wasn't bitten by a radioactive spider, I'm not an alien from a distant planet, I'm not a goddess princess from a secret hidden island. I'm just a guy, well, except maybe for my extraordinary stain-removing powers, my mom discovered my superpowers when I was just a kid. I was maybe six or seven, and my folks had invited some of their friends over for a nice dinner party. My brother and I were playing kid games, you know, sneaking out to spy on the grown-ups, that kind of thing, trying to crawl under the tables. You know, it was real fun. Anyway, my brother's shoe got caught on the tablecloth as he was making a quick dash for the hallway. He ended up pulling the tablecloth off right with him and everything that was on the table. The mess was pretty amazing and the stains were incredible. We, of course, got sent to our rooms and right to bed. So the next morning we came out for breakfast and there were still giant splashes of gravy and sauce and soup and wine all over the carpet. It looked like a crazy finger painting. I was so curious that I walked up to it and I put my finger on the stained patch. Starting at my finger and moving out in a wave, the stain started to disappear. I jumped back really surprised. My mom, who was putting breakfast on the table, she saw it and she said to me, Thomas, you put your finger back on that stain right now. So I did. And they all just disappeared. All the stains, just like that. Now, the power doesn't work on paintings or designs or patterns and cloth, nothing like that that's on purpose. But if it's a stain, when I touch it, it disappears. Doesn't matter what it's on, doesn't matter what the stain is, totally gone. So what I'm trying to say is if you have any stains that you can't get out, call me. I'll make time to put on my costume, I'll come over, I'll get out that stain. For I am Captain Stain And you know, my, my power's not enough to get me into the Avengers or the Justice League, but Hey, whatever it is, it's some kind of superpower, right? So here I am. I'm down at the Ash Legion, Sonoma County chapter. That's the average superheroes legion of Sonoma County. And I'm standing by along with a bunch of other great average superheroes. I'm Captain Stain Remover, and I'll remove your stains. Call now. Ladies and gentlemen, Rocco Blastoria is still backstage at the Wild Buffalo, and I'm here with Mr. Ryan Avalone. Hello, Ryan. Right. Hello, how's it going? It's going pretty good, man. Awesome. Um, can I ask you first what you do for the band? Um, basically, I am the moral arc light for the band. I'm a guiding force. Oh, honored uh, to be speaking with you, sir. <laughs> that is incredible. No, but my main job is uh, write songs, play mandolin, play guitar. Yeah, I gotta say, bro, uh, you alone on the stage get to rock the electric guitar. Thank God. Yeah, seriously, dude. This like this set is just song after song, and they're pretty, you know. But like, no <laughs> one's like really rocking out. And then finally, yeah, you bring it out, unleash a little like tasty guitar magic. It's great. Yeah, I like to rock out. I like rock and roll. I know uh, yeah. 
the band is more of a bluegrass kind of band, but eventually I just said, you know what, I'm gonna just start bringing a guitar. Yeah, you gotta do, like, like, you gotta bring your sauce to the kitchen, you know? I, yeah. just, I just made that up. Yeah, bring the special sauce. Yeah, to the kitchen. To the kitchen. The band is the kitchen in this sense. Yeah. Are you following me? I'm following you. Great. Hey, uh, so for touring, do you have any secret? Alex takes like cold showers and stuff. Ben needs coffee. Do you have any tour survival trips, uh, tips? Going for a run is the best survival tactic. Um, even if it's two miles, if you get up to two miles, you're good. Wow. How do you motivate to get up and run when like nobody's sleeping, everybody just needs food all the time and coffee apparently, and uh, some people are like in the shower for three minutes like with a bucket of ice and stuff? Yeah, every day is, a, is its own struggle. Yeah. And uh, a new war is fought with my own mind. I often lose. Yeah, dude, I know what that's like. Like sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I gotta shred base, and then he's really gonna fight through it. Yeah, you gotta fight through it. You know, other tempting things come along like staring at your cell phone yeah dude well that's why you're the moral arc light of the band Correct. because you can fight through it you have the power ryan <laughs> too that's awesome um favorite and least favorite part of touring favorite part of touring is performing that's the whole reason we do it uh the worst part is probably just that I my tailbone starts to hurt from sitting so much in the van. So much time in the van. A lot of time in the Holy van. Holy cow, man. I would people say touring it sounds glamorous, but really it's a lot of being in a van. A lot of being in a van, sometimes on a plane, sometimes yeah. a car. Yeah. Sometimes a green room. Yeah. Currently. Currently. Yeah. Well, hey, have a great show, Ryan. I hope you uh, uh, get to shred extra hard tonight. I'm going to tap for you tonight. That's Dude! Awesome. I'll tap something. Dude! All right. Hey, thanks, Ryan. You're welcome, man. We'll see you. All right. Bye. Yeah. Mr. Benedetti, right through this door, please. Through this door? Why? What's through that door? Storyland, of course. Storyland? Is that a real place? Yep. It will be a bit dull until the story starts. Now, in you go. I hope you get a good writer. See you at the end. What? Wait, story, I can't, I can't be in Storyland. I live in Petaluma. I can't be stuck here. I have a family. I have a radio show I'm doing. Uh, what, what, what is this? Storyland, it's very dull here, I guess. Just grayness all around me. Nothing to see at all. It's not warm or cold, just nothing, nothing at all. Very dull. Once upon a time, in a small village on the outskirts of a mighty kingdom, there lived a farmer. Whoa! Whoa! Hey, would you look at that? I'm in a field. Over there is a farmhouse, and just there over the hills I can spy the tops of some castle towers, and well, it's a beautiful day. Would you look at that? I'm in boots. I've got some overalls on, and a straw hat, and a hearty little pitchfork in my hand. Well, I'm dressed up just like a farmer. It was not a gorgeous day. In fact, it was a very stormy day. A terrible, windy, rainy, thunderstormy kind of day. Ah! It's raining! Wind! It's a storm! What? How did that happen so fast? I gotta get inside. The storm had been going on for weeks. The rivers were raging. The waters were high. Okay, okay, I made it into the farmhouse. And at least it's dry in here. It had been storming so terribly that the great river of the kingdom overflowed its banks. Like a raging stampede of water, it tore through the countryside straight for the farmer's house. 
Wait a minute. What is that noise? It tore the farmer's house right up from its foundation and tossed and bounced around on the frothing waters. The farmer found himself being carried away on the raging torrent. Ah! Are we carried away on the raging torrent? The floodwaters continued to rise, to rage, to froth and storm. The little house raced away from the kingdom upon the waters, down canyons and ravines, through countrysides and swamps, and finally spilled out over a great cliff, a monstrous waterfall. The farmer and his farmhouse tumbled through the air, bouncing hither and thither, flouncing off of rocks, trouncing off of trees, until, with a tremendous crash and the sound of breaking limbs and timber, it came to rest in the forest canopy surrounding the pool at the base of the waterfall. Wait, we stopped. It stopped. We landed. Oh, thank goodness. The cliff towered behind him, up and up and up, the top of it getting lost in the clouds and mist and watery spray. The cliff was, of course, the border of the land of monsters. The farmhouse had been washed clear out of the kingdom, out of the human lands, past the elf lands, over the gnome lands, around the fairy lands, and even through the grumpy swamp grubber lands, all the way over the great cliffs and into the land of monsters. The farmer, however, did not know this. As far as the farmer knew, he had escaped disaster and the storm was clearing and the sun was beginning to peek out of the clouds. Oh man, what a crazy ride that was. But at least I'm safe in these trees for now. And look, the sun's coming out. This forest looks just beautiful. Yes, I have certainly escaped disaster. Man, this story court punishment's no joke. Thank goodness it's over. I mean, it's gotta be over now, right? It is not at all over, and the farmer's dangerous situation was made very clear to him as he heard the loud smashing and splintering and rumbling from the forest floor. He stepped to the window and peered out. Wait, what in the world's going on down there? Sounds like a parade of trains, but through a forest? The farmer was astonished, transfixed, and not a little bit frightened by what he saw. It was, of course, a stampede of razor-beaked rhinotaurs. Six-legged, sharp-horned, obviously razor-beaked, tail-lashing creatures, each one as big as a school bus, each one about as friendly as a nest of hornets who haven't had their morning coffee, and all of them blashing their way through the forest, crushing everything in sight, bushes, trees, rocks, even, perhaps, farmhouses, balanced precariously in the high, high branches of the graybark trees? What are those things? They're huge. They're terrible. They're, they're headed straight for my trees. I believe we went over this. They were razor-beaked rhinotaurs, and indeed they were heading straight for his trees. The cloud of dust and deafening sound, for razor-beaked rhinotaurs are always singing as they stampede, and their songs are very loud, very wild, and very dreadful. They were heading straight for the trees in which the farmer was delicately poised in his farmhouse. The ground shook, the limbs swayed, the sight of dozens of razor-beaked rhinotaurs barreling across the forest floor like a wave of bulldozers gave our farmer pause. 
Yes, that terrible, calamitous sight certainly gave our farmer pause, a moment to reflect on his choices, a moment in which he could think with great regret on the terrible story-writing negligence that led him to where he was now, which was, let's remember, in Storyland, in a farmhouse balanced precariously in the high branches of a forest poised dangerously over the land of monsters and, more currently and importantly, directly in the path of a stem impeding herd of razor-beaked rhinotors. I'll never leave my characters to be continued again. I'll finish my story. This is terrible. Somebody get me out of here. Get me home. Get me back to Petaluma. Yes, realization, penance, apologies, and terror were all blooming like wildflowers in the heart of our farmer from his treetop perch. The herd stampeded on. They came closer. The trees shook. The house shifted. They came closer, closer, closer. And we will leave our farmer there for the moment. We will leave him in this moment of limbo, of this moment of terrible uncertainty, and this story, ladies and gentlemen, shall be continued. Wait, what? What just happened? Everything just stopped. I can't move. Those things are right below my tree and I can't even move my eyes to look somewhere else. They're just running in place. I feel like the house is about to fall. This is terrible. Is this what a to-be-continued story feels like? I'll never forget another story. Never, ever, 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 never, Ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of this week's episode of Better Daddyville Small Town Adventures. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week right here on KPCA 103.3 FM, streaming live at kpca.fm. Better Daddyville is me, Rocco Blastorius, with Geo, Jed, Stella, and Emmeline Better Daddy, and all the stories and silliness were co-created by Better Daddyville. The music you heard was by Red Yarn. There's some great music from Portland, Oregon. Check them out. From Better Daddyville, and from me, Rocco Blastorius. Stories. Special thanks this episode to our guests and contributing voices. Uh, we got Rob, Jared, and John down here at PCA. Thanks, guys. We got the brothers Comatose. Let me go on tour with them. Thanks a bunch, dudes. Happy trails home. Thanks to the gardeners and gardens everywhere. Thanks to Stella Maya and Ben Ross for doing the voices on the snail story continuation adventure. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Hortensia's Unconventional Garden Supplies, and the Average Superhero Legion Sonoma County Chapter. I think I'd like to join. Uh, I guess Geo's like trapped in Storyland, you know? So, uh, I hope that narrator continues the story. Uh, hang in there, Geo! You- you'll get out of there, bud! Uh, remember, kids, don't leave stories to be continued too long, right? Huh, lesson learned here. Uh, it's been real fun. I w- well, miss Geo, but, you know, we'll get him back. We'll get him back next week, you'll see. Stay tuned, folks. Take care. Rock of Blast Stories out.